Welcome inside the lab at Formula 4 Media. I am Bob McGee, and today I am speaking with Sean McBride, Executive Vice President of Sports at Ketchum Sports Entertainment and the Head of Ketchum Sponsorship in New York, where he manages the group's growing U.S.-based team. He has more than 15 years' experience building brands through sports marketing and public relations programming. Good afternoon, Sean. We're conducting this podcast today, days before the Winter Olympic Games begin in Pyeongchang, South Korea, the first of three consecutive games in Asian markets, with the next two in Tokyo in the summer of 2020 in Beijing, China, in February 2022. First off, today, let's maybe you could give our listeners some background on Ketchum's and your involvement with the Olympics in recent years. Absolutely. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for having me on the on the podcast. At Ketchum Sports Entertainment, we work with a number of IOC, or as they're called, top sponsors, as well as several USOC sponsors, helping them with their communications campaigns. And this can mean anything from sponsorship PR to publicity to social media programs. Pyongyang Chang 2018 will actually be my seventh Olympic Games, supporting clients across a wide range of categories, from financial services to consumer packaged goods to technology. So we have a lot of experience at our shop, the Olympic Movement, and helping helping clients, primarily sponsors, get the most out of their investment in Team USA or or the IOC. Having three consecutive Olympic Games in Asia mean, you know, I've read that the Olympics are a benchmark of development in Asia. And why is that? And how is the attitude different, say, than in Europe or North America? Sure. The next three games are being referred to as as the Asian tour, the Asian swing of the Olympic movement. And it's a big opportunity to create a sport and cultural legacy in each of these countries and the actual primary markets that are hosting the games. You know, tech, you know Bob, technology has made our global economy much smaller. And the Asian market is a key one to so many multinational companies, Companies, not to mention getting Asian headquarters corporations such as Toyota and Alibaba involved in the Olympic movement as global sponsors. And I don't know if it's a different attitude as much as it's an enhanced opportunity for sport to serve as a catalyst for growth and development, certainly from an infra- infrastructure standpoint, but also culturally showcasing these regions to, to a global audience and conversely exposing the domestic populace to the rest of the world. And Sean, how will the location of these games impact sponsor trends? Will more of corporate America want to be tied into these events in Asia? And presuming so, how can Ketchum help these firms? I think, it, I think we're going to see some very interesting trends emerge. Again, with various countries in Asia, priority growth markets for the corporate world, as well as sport in general. You know, the NBA and basketball is a great example and all the um, efforts and continuing, you know, the inroads and the continuing efforts they're making to grow the, their sport in, in, in Asia and in China specifically. We're definitely going to see a major push in the lead up to Tokyo 2020. From Ketchum's standpoint, we really act as counselors to our clients. You know, as a global communications firm, we have offices in all these markets that we were able to tap into in order to assist our clients from a strategic planning perspective. And we have a very strong and deep degree of Olympic marketing experience, as I was saying before, including having worked on behalf of several clients when the Olympic Games were actually in Beijing in 2008 for the Summer Games. So, you know, from our perspective, it's really tapping into our experience and then our knowledge of the of, of the Olympic movement, of Olympic sponsorship. And again, going back to the point I made earlier about really helping companies get the most out of their involvement, helping them sell more stuff, raise their, their profile. Maybe they're using the Olympic Games for a chance for an, as an opportunity to, to change perceptions of who they are as a company and what they offer. So, you know, coming at it from several different directions. I didn't really ask, did you ha- have you had any relationship with any of the brands in the sporting goods or sports brand sectors, being Adidas or Nike or any other brands in this industry? We have not worked, uh, not as least the Olympic Games. We have done work for some different sporting goods uh, brands, but none who have really leaned into the Olympic movement or Olympic, Olympic marketing is probably a better, better way to put it. None who really, we've worked with several sporting goods 
brands, retailers, and and actual you know apparel or shoe companies, but none who have really leveraged Olympic marketing to help drive their business. Now, of your insight on that, you said you've been seven Olympic Games. How the sport brands have played a role in the Olympics that you've been involved with? I mean, have they? I mean, they haven't been official. Some of them have. Most of them have not been official sponsors. Have there been? Have there been any uh, significant impact by them at these games that you've been, they've been at so far? Not so much. Not so much at the games level, Bob, but more about supporting the athletes. You know, you have athletes who have um, a wide, they'll have a wide range of, of personal sponsorships. And that could be, even though Nike is an official sponsor of Team USA, there are a lot of athletes who have relationships with other shoe or apparel brands, be it Under Armour, Adidas, Reebok, and so forth and so on. So, you know, that's that's really the place for brands who are not sponsors to play is to, uh, to get involved with the athletes or even the national governing bodies. You know, some national governing bodies, such as in the case of the Winter Olympics, you've got U.S. speed skating and uh, U.S. bobsled. They have relationships with Under Armour. So Under Nike is the Team USA sponsor, but Under Armour sponsors the those individual sport teams, if you will, and they play a big role in the lead up to the games, helping these athletes with their training, providing financial assistance, and uh, you know putting them in the, in the best position as possible to actually make Team USA. What the International Olympic Committee, the IOC, is doing to engage a younger audience this year and in the future, uh, obviously that now that we have three games in a row in the Asian markets, and I presume social media will be a bigger component of, uh, of engaging the younger audience, but is there that or anything else? Definitely, Bob. You know, Social media is, is critical, and I think it's fair to say the IOC has made some great strides to engage a younger audience, and continue, it continues to be a major focus, as I was saying. You know, The sports that have been added this year's games, notably big air snowboard, but also freestyle skiing, as well as mass start speed skating, should provide some very dynamic and exhilarating viewing experiences, which we know, you know, we know that younger demographics are into more of that kind of adrenaline focused sport. You know, the IOC is also exploring esports and competitive gaming. Esports has been added to the Asian Games in 2018, and it's going to be a medal sport in 2022. So I'm sure many of your listeners are aware about of how esports is really exploding as a as a platform and more and more brands are looking to esports to, to leverage it, opportunities to, to drive their businesses. And then to your point, you know, the further evolution embracing social media by the athletes, the IOC has really evolved their mindset on social media and loosened the reins to a degree for the athletes. So, you know, that, that's been a big, um, a big step change. And then the other big piece of, of the puzzle really is embracing the importance of live event broadcasting or distribution, you know, just acknowledging that, you know, the modern consumption habits of, of consumers and especially younger demographic consumers we don't want to sit around and wait until, you know, the traditional prime time to see or find out what has happened in the games, especially when they're, you know, 14 time zones away from uh, from the East Coast of the U.S. NBC is going to be streaming, broadcasting upwards of 2,000 hours of live content from Korea over the next three weeks, which is a big, big change, you know, from, from previous Olympic Games and, and how that um, that has all kind of been approached. And then I think I think the other aspect of it is, you know, speaking of NBC and how they are, they play such a huge role, especially here in the U.S., of driving that, the engine behind the U.S. Olympic movement, you know, and, and you can see kind of how they've evolved their storytelling and, and how they how they how they really hero build with some of the members of Team USA and and start the the momentum going for the Olympic Games themselves. You know, I think it's fair to say that adrenaline and grit have been added to the historic 
approaches of pageantry and grace that for so long define the essence of the Olympic Games. And I think those the fo- those former qualities that I mentioned, that's really a clear indication that you know they're trying to be more to resonate more and be more relevant to a to a younger audience. For the question about the social media, are they, does the ISC have any tight restrictions in terms of athletes at the venues tweeting out or Instagramming out pictures of because marks are absolutely they have tight restrictions on at, that or that would be allowed. Very tight restrictions. You know, Olympic athletes are able to do a lot of social media work on behalf of their themselves, their sponsors, right up until just prior to games time. And then the IOC has something called Rule 40, which all Olympic Games participants have to adhere to. And that's kind of a blackout period where athletes are not allowed in the time just leading up to the Olympic Games. And then until they are done competing, they're not allowed to really do anything commercial with their social media. You know, you will see some athletes and, you know, we've certainly seen, I've seen some great stuff in my Twitter feed and Instagram, athletes who are arriving in Pyeongchang right now. And you're checking out the Olympic Village and posting photos with the mascots or with the giant Olympic rings that are out front, and we're seeing seeing some of that. But it, obviously, that's not commercial in nature. And then to your to your point, Bob, about you know in venue, that is that's kind of on lockdown. But look, honestly, from an Olympic athlete standpoint, when they're in venue, they're focused on you know chasing their dream, fulfilling the mission that they're on. They're not, they may, they may take some pictures or do something, you know, to capture the moment, but they're not going to frankly take the time to, to broadcast it out to their, to their followers. You know, it's, there's plenty of time for that after, after the fact, after they're done competing. The final question today is, you know, from, we talked about it, but from a sponsorship marketing perspective, you know, what can the North American Olympic viewer on, on NBC expect to see in Pyeongchang uh, this month, February, 2018? I did ask you about the IOC being protective of its official sponsors. Do you think there'll be any grow marketing? efforts this month in future games from American companies? To answer your first question, you know, what can what can viewers expect to see? I think we're gonna we're gonna see some great competition, first of all. You know, Team USA, we're a bit of an underdog in the in the Olympic Winter Games. You know, we are not um, we're certainly, you know, one of the leading countries, but we're not we're not nearly as dominant as we are in the summer games. So we're gonna see a little bit of that underdog mentality and, and some hopefully some surprising upsets uh, by members of, of our delegation over there. We're also gonna see some really, really beautiful just, you know, uh, entrancing kind of imagery and, and storytelling from NBC. I mean, it's everything that I've seen so far of Pyeongchang. It, it just looks incredibly dynamic. And I think, you know, that's one of the beauty, one of the most beautiful aspects or elements of the Olympic Winter Games are, are just some of the, the visuals that come back from these these just in, incredible venues where the competitions take place. And then, and then you know, we're, there's going to be, it's really interesting, right? So we all, everyone knows Lindsey Vaughn and Sean White and maybe a couple of other uh, Olympic um, Winter Olympic legends, but there's going to be uh, you know, three weeks from now. There are going to be some household names of athletes that you or I are barely familiar with, or maybe haven't even heard of as of right now. You know, that's and it's those. It's that kind of aspect of the Olympic Games that takes the 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 girl or boy next door and makes them a, an Olympic hero and an American hero as a result of their accomplishments, but also the, the pride in representing the United States. And and th- there's just not. There's not a, as much of that anymore in sport overall. I think that's one place that that still exists is is in the Olympic Games. So that's something I'm really excited to see. And then as it relates to you know guerrilla marketing things along those lines, for actually for Pyeongchang, I don't think we're going to see that much guerrilla marketing uh, and that type of activity. We saw we saw some of it in Rio, but I think the you know, the Winter Olympic Games, the Olympic Winter Games, are really uh, they're a smaller event overall or relative to the Summer Games. Um, I think also because of where the 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 games are being held and some of the considerations and concerns that have have that are out there leading up to the games leading up to games time i think you know we're going to see a more muted approach by by uh by brands activating just because of the backdrop of frankly where this games is happening so i'm not i'm not 
not as concerned, uh, or, or even on behalf of my own brand, my own clients, I'm not as concerned about guerrilla marketing. That's not to say the IOC is not going to continue to be very diligent. You know, they will, they will have their, all their protocols and processes in place to make sure that their sponsors, you know, are, are protected and get, get the value that they expect and deserve as a result of their partnership and investment into the relationship. But I'm not expecting guerrilla marketing to be a big, big activity uh, over the next three weeks. No. You've been listening to Inside the Lab at Formula 4 Media. I am Bob McGee.